Welcome to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. I'm Erin, pediatric sleep consultant and founder of The Happy Sleep Company. From catnaps to night wakes and regressions to teething, we cover all things baby sleep. With a passion for children's sleep, we're here to help tired families get healthy rest. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. We are talking everything baby sleep today because it is Q&A Tuesday, and we have a huge range of stuff to talk about. We have questions about travel, lots of questions about travel in my DMs on Instagram over the last couple of weeks, questions from our clients about travel because it's that time of year when a lot of people are trying to escape the cold. And so we have trips coming up, time zone changes, flights, long drives. So one of our questions today is about travel. We have questions about nap transitions, wake windows. We have a question about twins. So let's dive in. First question for today. Hi, Erin. I'm soon traveling with my six-month-old and I have a 7 a.m. flight, so I need to leave home at 4 a.m. Suggestions for that day's schedule. Do I do four naps that day instead of three to make it to bedtime? It's a tricky one and I know that I always say plan flights for early in the day if you can because then we just sort of get the travel over with and we get to hopefully get to our destination by an appropriate bedtime and make up for an exhausting day. This 4 a.m. is really early, but it's pretty common. It's pretty normal if you have a flight around 7 o'clock in the morning that you have to get up quite early to travel to the airport and be at the airport well in advance of your flight. It's a tough one. I still like that this mom did a 7 a.m. flight, even though it means babe has to get up at 4 in the morning. It's likely to still feel like a more normal day for this child, and they're likely able to get to their destination by a good bedtime because they did it this way, as opposed to doing a really late afternoon or evening flight and having to start baby's nighttime sleep on the plane. That's why I don't love an overnight flight or an evening flight. If you can swing an early morning flight, it's often better. I know a lot of flights to Europe from Canada, for example, are overnight. So sometimes you just can't do anything about it. But in this mom's case, she could. She did a 7 a.m. flight. It does mean that they have to get up at 4 a.m. So what I would do is, assuming they have a bit of a drive to the airport, I would get baby out of the crib at 4 a.m. because they have to, because they have to get to the airport. I would hope that baby falls back asleep in the car on the drive to the airport. And I would just kind of consider that an extension of that baby's sleep. So now, hopefully, they are actually sleeping till maybe... 5, 5.30 in the morning. And that's a little more of a normal time to be waking up. Obviously, we'd prefer that it was sometime past six or later, but I'm assuming this family is already going to be at the airport by then. So there's not much we can do about that, but hopefully they'll fall back asleep in the car on the way to the airport, sleep until around 5 a.m., 5.30. This parent might still need four naps to get through that day. So to answer their question, yes. On a day like this, it is not a terrible idea, if it's needed, to throw in an extra nap. One more nap than your child would normally have. So the six-month-old normally has three naps a day. In order to make it to bedtime, we might need four naps this day because Some of the naps might be really short, just in the stroller at the airport or in a carrier or a wrap on a layover or on a parent on the plane. And maybe one of the naps only lasts 30 minutes in someone's arms. And normally at home, the naps might have been longer. So yes, don't be afraid to throw in an extra nap if necessary to make it to bedtime once you arrive. 
It might mean that all three naps are done by the time you reach your destination, but it's only two o'clock in the afternoon. So later in the afternoon, you go for a stroll, you go for a drive, you set up a napping station in your hotel room if you can make it there and get set up in time. And you do that extra nap and then you do a proper bedtime. The other option if you just don't feel like your baby is going to go down for an extra nap is an early bedtime. So do keep in mind that on a travel day like this, you might need something like a six o'clock bedtime just to make up for the really exhausting day. And then baby is like likely to catch up on sleep with that and have a good night's sleep and get right back on track. Next question is about a much older child. How long does it take to drop to no nap for a four-year-old starting kindergarten in September, but currently still napping? So we're January right now. We've got a while for this parent to get this sorted out. But in general, if a child is starting school, and in many Canadian provinces, we start school at age four or in September of the year that your child is going to turn four. So for others listening who are in provinces that don't do that or in the United States or elsewhere, that's what's happening here. And that's why this four-year-old is starting kindergarten in September. So what happens if this child is still napping? Well, a lot of children do drop their naps sometime between three and four years of age. So I wouldn't stress just yet if it's January and your child isn't starting kindergarten until September and they're currently still napping because a lot could change between now and September and your child might just stop napping on their own. They might just stop falling asleep for their nap on their own sometime over the next six months or so. However, if you are approaching the time that your child's going to be starting school and they're not going to be offered a nap at school and they are still napping at home, about a month in advance, I would consider weaning off of that nap at home. So if your child currently naps for an hour and a half in the middle of the day, about a month in advance of school starting, I would consider capping that nap at more like an hour, maybe even 45 minutes. And then a couple of weeks before school starts, I would consider getting rid of that nap altogether, doing quiet time in the middle of the day instead, and doing an earlier bedtime to make up for the fact that this child still wanted to be napping, but they can't anymore. So they're probably pretty tired by the end of the day. We probably need like a six o'clock, 6.30 bedtime for this child when they're first transitioning to no nap. And I would do that a couple of weeks in advance of going to school so that by the time school rolls around, it's not such a shock for them. Because not only will they not be napping at school, but it's a new environment, it's new people, the teacher, the kids, it's stimulating, it's exciting, it's fun, but they're probably going to be extra tired at the end of the day. So we want to make up for that with an early bedtime. So that's how I would go about it starting about a month in advance capping the nap shorter for a couple of weeks, getting rid of it altogether, replacing it with quiet time for a couple of weeks, and then we get to school and we should be reasonably well adjusted. The next question is, my 11-month-old needs to get down to one nap for daycare two weeks from now. How do I transition him? I wouldn't transition him. That's not to say I wouldn't let daycare transition him. If you've found a daycare that you love and they happen to only offer one nap, well, we have to prioritize what we want to prioritize, right? And if you have found a daycare where the nutrition that they offer is awesome and you love it and the indoor space is lovely and the outdoor space is spacious and beautiful, but they're going to put your 12-month-old on one nap a day, do you 
forego that daycare and try to find a different one? Or do you just say every other thing about this daycare is perfect except for the nap schedule? So I guess we're just going to have to deal with it and adjust to this nap schedule. A lot of parents are going to do the latter. They're just going to go for it and go for this daycare that they otherwise love and deal with the nap transition. It can be tough. I'm not going to lie. I assume this 11-month-old is going to be pretty much 12 months in a couple of weeks when he actually goes to daycare. So most 12-month-olds are going to do better with two naps per day than one, in my experience. And when we work with families at this age, we always really try to promote sticking with a two-nap schedule at 12 months of age. But a lot of kids can't, and we get that, and there are ways around it. And the best thing to do once he starts will be an earlier bedtime. But let's talk about what I said before. I wouldn't transition him. What I mean is I wouldn't transition him now. This parent is asking, what do I do to transition him over the next couple of weeks in advance of him going to daycare and being on one nap per day? If this child was closer to 16 months, then I would say, sure, he's already close to an age where he'd be transitioning to one nap anyway. He'll probably be able to handle it just fine. So maybe a couple of weeks in advance of going to daycare, mom and or dad start transitioning him at home, meaning put your child down for their morning nap about half an hour later than you normally would for a few days. And then a few days later, put them down another half an hour later and do that for a few days. Do still have an afternoon nap if your child will go down for it, but you're going to get to the point where a nap gets to 11, 11.30, and there's really not time for an afternoon nap. So you'll just do an early bedtime on those days. And then finally, I would land at noon for their nap once you've gotten there, and that will be their nap time every day. And you could get to that before your child starts daycare if you start the transition a couple of weeks in advance. But That is for a child who's considerably older and already close to the point where they would be transitioning to one nap. For that child, I would say yes, the parents will probably have success doing a bit of a gradual transition at home before he gets to daycare. With an 11 or 12 month old, I would just keep two naps a day as long as you possibly can right up until the day your child goes to daycare and let daycare make the transition. There's a couple of reasons for this. One, why transition him sooner than we need to? We are already transitioning him to one nap a day, probably considerably earlier than he's really ready for. So why start that even two weeks earlier? Let's just stick with two naps as long as we can at home. The other thing is your child at 11 and a half, 12 months of age is probably going to be fairly cranky as we try to get them to noon for one midday nap during this transition. And if they are at home with just one, maybe both parents, but there's only a couple of people at home, their usual toys, not a lot of distractions, that crankiness is probably going to rear its little head. And it's going to be a tough transition at home. Your child's going to get bored, again, cranky. It's going to be hard to distract them because they're so tired leading up to that midday nap. Whereas at daycare, everything's going to be really interesting and new and different. And there is a caregiver who is not their parent trying to get them through the morning and get them to their nap, which will probably go better. So it's probably going to be a lot easier for your daycare provider to make this transition for a 12-month-old than it is for their parents. So I would just stick with two naps until your 11 and a half, 12-month-old gets to daycare, let daycare put them down for that one nap and distract them all morning to get there. And 
at home on weekends, I would try to stick with two naps. Saturdays, Sundays, two naps each day for as long as your child will take them to try to catch up to a more age-appropriate schedule on the weekends to make up for some sleep debt that might build up Monday to Friday while your child is at daycare and on that one nap schedule. And again, on the days that your child goes to daycare and is only having one nap a day at that 11, 12-month age, I would do a very early bedtime, like in bed lights out at 6 p.m. to avoid extra overtiredness and sleep debt. Next question is about wake windows, asking what are the ideal wake windows and nap lengths for a five-month-old? It's a good question. Five months is an age where I would often transition a child from slightly smaller wake windows that they might have been having as a four-month-old to slightly bigger wake windows. Remember that every child is different. Not every child is going to respond the same to exactly the same wake windows. But in general, I find that many Most five-month-olds do well with two hours of awake time in the morning before their first nap, and then about two and a quarter hours leading up to their other naps and bedtime. I usually suggest that the first wake window of the day be a little bit shorter at every age because it's just when babies are most tired and ready to go back down for sleep. They've had a nice big night of sleep. They've had their morning. They haven't had time to get cranky and overtired yet. Their body's still craving a little more sleep. So they often need a little less awake time before that first nap and then a little more sleep pressure leading up to their other naps and bedtime. So two hours of awake time before the first nap for a five-month-old, usually more like two hours, 15 minutes leading up to the other naps and bedtime. Usually that looks like three naps a day by the time we're five months old. I would love if the first and second naps could each be around an hour and a half. The last nap of the day could be around 30 to 45 minutes. We really don't want to be getting two or more than four hours of daytime sleep at this age. So if you take an hour and a half nap in the morning, an hour and a half nap midday, and a 45-minute nap at the end of the day, that kind of maxes you out at three hours, 45 minutes of sleep in the day for a five-month-old. I wouldn't go beyond that because when we go beyond that at this age, we're often seeing night wakes or early morning wake-ups because we don't have enough sleep pressure left on our night if we're getting four plus hours of sleep in the day. So those would be the links I would talk about for a five-month-old. At thehappysleepcompany.com, we do have a number of sleep guides and they are really geared towards parents who are looking for specific advice on wake windows and scheduling nuances. Five months old is a really good example of where we do see a lot of nuances and where we see parents having to coordinate the schedule a little bit to make sure their child is awake by a certain time in the day and the naps are capped at certain lengths like I just talked about. So if you are around that point, especially that five to seven month mark and trying to sort out how you fit in a three nap day every day and still have a proper bedtime, the guides may be helpful to you. There's a four to 10 month sleep guide and an 11 to 18 month sleep guide there for parents who want more information on scheduling nuances. Last question for today. I'm expecting twins this month. What are your best sleep tips for multiples? So... We do have a whole other podcast episode on multiples, so check that out. But really what we want to see with multiples, firstly, a lot of the same stuff that we do with singletons. We want the room, the the sleep environment to be really conducive to sleep. So that's the first thing I look at with multiples. But especially with twins or multiples, we really want to look at that room environment and say, okay, if you are having your twins share a room, which many parents of multiples are, 
really let's look at this room environment and try to do everything we can to avoid distraction because they already have a literal distraction of another human being sleeping in the same room as them. If you're not having your children sleep in the same room, that's fine. And you can still keep these principles in mind. But even more so if you have two babies in the same room, I generally ask my families of multiples to put the cribs on the opposite side of the room if they can. So not butted up right next to each other where there's going to be even more close noise and contact and potentially as they get a little older, sort of reaching through the cribs and distracting each other. I would put the cribs on opposite sides of the room and I would put the sound machine in the middle of the room between the two cribs to try to drown out some of those noises from each other. Even just the little noises that they make in their sleep, this way their heads are right beside each other. And when they make those little noises, they are less likely to wake each other up. So cribs on opposite side of the room. This is also going to be helpful as they get considerably older and can stand up in their cribs. We've all seen those kind of hilarious, but kind of horrifying videos on YouTube of, you know, young toddler or older infant children, multiples, like playing over tops of their cribs, reaching in, pulling each other into each other's cribs. It looks cute on YouTube, but if you are those children's parents, now you're just like, oh my gosh, how are we going to manage this? Now they're pulling each other into their cribs and playing instead of napping. So we can avoid that by just putting cribs on opposite sides of the room from day one. So I would recommend that sound machine in the middle of the room, at least, you know, five to seven feet away from your children's heads, but in the middle of the room between their cribs to drown out some sounds, keep it on a white noise setting, keep it on throughout the nap and throughout the night. Make sure the room is super, super, super dark, blackout blinds covered by blackout curtains, because again, with multiples, it's even more so the case that we want to make the room very dark, not stimulating. We don't want them being able to easily see each other as they're trying to fall asleep for a nap or if they wake up in the early morning hours and it's a bit light in the room because that is just going to be an extra distraction from going to sleep or going back to sleep. And with twins, one extra tip that is very different than singletons is that I normally recommend right from the beginning that you do not let one twin sleep more than 15 to 30 minutes beyond the other before waking them up. And then you put them down for their next sleep at the same time as one another. This is a way to keep them on a similar schedule. So say twin A wakes up for the day at 6 a.m., we don't let twin B sleep later than 6.30 a.m. before waking them up. And then we go ahead and put them down for their first nap of the day at the same time as one another based on when twin A woke up. So a lot of parents of multiples will say, well, twin B won't be tired enough for their nap because they slept half an hour longer than twin A. But remember, you had to wake twin B up. They wanted to keep sleeping, but you woke them up at 6.30 a.m. to keep them on a schedule. So they probably will be tired enough to go down for their first nap at the same time as their sibling. So that is a way to sort of help parents of multiples stay sane. Because if you have, say, a set of multiples, a set of twins who are five months old and they're on a three-nap schedule, but they're on totally different schedules, it's basically like you have two children who are at different ages on different schedules and you're you're having to deal with six naps a day instead of just three naps a day. By waking them up within a reasonable time frame of one another and keeping them on a similar nap schedule, you really do only have three naps a day in that situation instead of six, which most parents are going to want. So that's something to keep in mind with multiples.
And that's the top five of the week. We covered a lot. I hope it was helpful. If if anyone is traveling, then I wish you a safe flight, a safe drive, a lovely trip. I'm jealous of you. I'm in a very cold spot of the world right now, and I would love to be going away, but I am happy for you to be getting time away with your family if you're heading away on a nice warm trip. So enjoy it. Enjoy your little one. Enjoy the sand and the sun or whatever you're doing, and have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with a mom or dad who might need some rest. Connect with us on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company and check out our website, thehappysleepcompany.com for loads of blogs, sleep guides, and information about how we work with families one-on-one to get sleep on track.